cliffcentral.com Sanmunan Nonge, welcome to the show. It is Frankly Speaking, where we talk about what's on your mind, what's at the dinner tables, but you don't say in the public. We bring it to the public space and speak about it all the time. Uh, let's start with this song is a load of rubbish. Uh, no, I'm joking. Joey, oh, Joey's just such a legend in South African contemporary music, isn't he? And we shouldn't, we shouldn't be horrible to him. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, my name is Andrew Levy. I'm flying solo today. Rorisang Shabalala is in the middle of the Eastern Cape. We'll catch up with him in a little bit uh, to find out what's going on in his life. Today we've got a really interesting show lined up. Um, I was lucky enough to uh, go on a weekend away full of incredibly amazing leaders, young leaders uh, that uh, South Africa has produced in the last little while. All sorts of ages, from ranging from 25 to 35. And we discussed a number of things throughout the weekend, spoke about a number of different leaders in the past. And uh, we came across a reading uh, on a Monday morning. And the reading was called, The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelas. Uh, now, just to give you an idea, and I'll put this on Twitter as well, if, you, if you're following us on Twitter, at Yebo underscore Levy or at Talk To Us, frankly. Uh, it's a 1973 short descriptive work of a f- philosophical fiction, popularly classified as a short story by Ursula uh, Le Guin. And basically the premise is there is this utopian state. Follow me. Keep following me here. I know this, this sounds very academic and hardcore, but I promise if I... It, you can understand it too. So basically, it's a utopian state where everyone is just excited. Everyone is living together in this amazing bliss. There are orgies. There is this amazing drug that is, sounds like opium, although I've never taken opium, but apparently it's like it. And uh, everyone is just in the most amazing space. Um, there, is, there is no government. There is no policing. Uh, it is just one happy, happy citizenry. Except for one thing, to keep this entire society in place, to make sure that it all continues as is, there is the happiness of one that needs to be kept at bay. So there's a child that lives in a closet, in a cage, under the city, and gets treated like absolute rubbish. Doesn't get fed properly, is malnutrition, mal, has malnutrition, lives in the dark, and... Um, basically gets beaten, um, gets shouted at. And the idea behind it is that the city's constant state of serenity and splendor requires that the single unfortunate child be kept in perpetual filth, darkness, and misery. Um, once citizens are old enough to know the truth about this one child in Omelas, uh, most who are initially shocked and disgusted ultimately learn to live with that one injustice which secures the happiness of the rest of the city. However, a few citizens, young and old, silently walk away from the city and no one knows where they go. And the story ends with the place they go towards is a place even less imaginable to most of us in the city of happiness. I cannot describe it at all. Is it possible it does not exist? But they all seem to know where they are going, the ones who walk away from Omilas. And it really brought about an incredible discussion amongst ourselves, but, but also within my own thoughts, which is to say this one injustice this one kid who gets treated like absolute rubbish and has huge amounts of unhappiness, how much are we willing to give up in order to have that injustice? How much are we allowed, allowing ourselves to be desensitized from the reality 
of the world that we live in in order to keep our happiness. And that's what I want to discuss today, effectively, with a whole bunch of really young, interesting people. We want to discuss, frankly speaking, what would you give up to have a better South Africa? What would you give up to have a better South Africa? We've had a number of discussions and comments on Facebook already. You can hit us up at WeChat as well. Uh, all you need to do is go to cliffcentral.com and send your messages in. And uh, you can hit us up on Twitter uh, at Yebo underscore Levy and, uh, or... Uh, at talk to us frankly we want to engage with you as much as possible want to hear your thoughts and please try and not be too intellectual about it i know i've started on quite an intellectual note i want to understand from your perspective what would you give up in order to make a better south africa and also try not be too defensive because that's the first thing that happens um, is that we say well why do we need to give up anything why should we give up anything i've worked hard for my money um but maybe we can try and find a way in, in which we can ask ourselves that honestly and say, is there something that we can give up that would actually better South Africa? Uh, so first on the line, let's just talk to Rory because he's in the middle of, I think it is the Western Cape. Now, Rory, are you there? Rory. Are you there, Rory? Can you hear me? There we go. Hey, Rory, yes, how you doing? I'm right here. What's up? I'm good. How are you? Where's right here exactly? I'm right here. <laughs> a little bit, a, a fair distance away from Ramalas, but uh, a, a short distance uh, away from Joburg. So somewhere in between there. <laughs> Rory, uh, we're speaking about, frankly speaking, what would you give up in order to have a better South Africa? You've also read this piece, um, The Ones That Walk Away From Omalas. How did it make you feel? Uh, it, it's, a, it's a sobering piece, man. Uh, I think the whole idea... Uh, these things are obviously easy to to dismiss when you don't actually apply them to... Okay, so let's... This is interesting. Omelas is a very interesting thing, but it's actually meant to force us to think about ourselves, right? How many... Who are those kids in the dungeon um, in the society that we live in? Um, we have a lot of people, so, so I've been spending quite a lot of time now over the past week in hotels and so on, and just the thought, you know, when you see all the people that serve you and all of that, you think, hmm, what is it that qualifies that I live the life that I do and that this person lives the life that she does? She will never, her life is probably at peaking at this stage. She's older than me, she's still, you know, just a waitress. Uh, what is it that has earned me the rights? And what has earned her uh, the, 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 the the reality that she lives in? Right? So there are plenty of people. Every single day we walk past them. And we have, you and I, Andrew, have uh, have not earned a single shit of the privilege that we have, right? We, we haven't. We we are just privileged to have been born to the right people at the right time. Um, and as a result, we, we're in this privileged position. Now the question that you ask, uh, is that, okay, so would we be willing to give that up since we didn't earn it? And if we say we're people of virtue and we reap what you sow, we didn't earn this, um, what are we willing to give up? And, uh, yeah, I think that is a real, that's a big question, and I think one that we all have to ask ourselves, really. I, I just I just think that we can get stuck in the intellectualizing of it and not get to the uh, nuts and bolts. Okay, so what are you willing to give up today? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, when we're speaking...
weekend, one of the um, one of the participants, a woman of color, said, "Who's asking? What should we give up?" Do you think that's an important question? Who's asking the question? No, I don't think. So I don't think it's important um, if we think about ourselves uh, as a human race, right? At, at a global level, it shouldn't be. Uh, at at some at some at some other level, we all have something that we can give up. Um, I think, though, that if you're going to ask the baby in the dungeon what that child is giving up, um, then it, it perhaps changes things. So perhaps it's a question that the elite amongst us uh, ask each other about what we're willing to give up rather than having to be asked by others. Um, we always say on the show, Andrew, that, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's time that we these conversations begin to happen. So, for example, between white and white and not between black and white because the moment Rory, black, says anything to Andrew, white, it doesn't end well. But perhaps white people need to ask each other, what do we need to give up if we're going to build a better South Africa, and black people need to ask each other the same thing. And then at some stage, maybe we get to a stage where we begin to ask each other, quite honestly, having already given up some things um, already, say, okay, so how, what is it What is it going to take? And uh, if anything, if, if, if what we see, and as we grow older, if, if what we see is anything to go by, I think we are not anywhere close. Older we get, the more that's at stake, the less we want to give up. And, uh, okay, lastly, before I let you go, Rora, because you, you, you're supposedly on leave today. We'll, we'll forgive you for that. Uh, but thank you for making some time for us. What uh, what would you give up? Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> what would I give up? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. As I was thinking about this call, I was, okay, so what do I have to give up, right? So we live in a world of great inequality and all of that. So am I willing to give up my material possessions? Um uh, am I really? I'm not sure. Um, if if it means that everyone is equal, I'm pro. I I might be. But then again, I think about how. I'll give you an example, right? So we go to restaurants. I'm I'm traveling and so on. So there's obviously a lot of those types of decisions that are being made on a daily basis. Right. Um, and the way you go through that selection process is actually. Uh, the more exclusive the place is, the more so the more it cuts others out. Is probably the more you 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 trend towards a particular hotel and all of that, right? So uh, it then asks us, you know, probably the most important thing that I can give up is this is this place in society and who who I think I am and so on. That is probably the most important thing because that is what we defend the most. Mm-hmm. It's not so much the car; it's what the car represents. It's not so much. Uh, the house, but what the house represents, you know. So uh, probably ego and anger, if I had to think about it. Those are the things that I have to give up uh, and have to ask myself some questions about because anger about the past is also something that, you know, we'd have to get to a place where I'm like, you know what, what happened in the past happened, it's okay, let's move on. But that only happens when somebody else is saying, I'm willing to acknowledge the past and uh, the injustices that were committed, and I'm willing to give up something. So you see, that's, that's where the complexity happens, is that uh, giving up needs to be a reciprocal action. Rory, we're going to let you go there. Thank you so much for, for your time. We'll see you again next week. Looking forward to having you in the studio. All right, Rory.
behave. <laughs> I will try. I will try. I will try. Uh, that is co-host Rory Sagishavalala. He is on the road uh, somewhere in between uh, Mossel Bay and uh, the beautiful city of Cape Town. I'm sure they're asking themselves the question, what would you what would you give up? That's what we're asking today. What would you give up in your life for a better South Africa? I just wanted to give you this quote on, on the, the ones who walk away from Omelas. William James says, Millions kept permanently happy on the one simple condition that a certain lost soul on the far off edge of things should lead a life of lonely torture. What except a skeptical and independent sort of emotion can it be which would make us immediately feel, even though an impulse arose within us to clutch at the happiness so offered? How hideous a thing would be its enjoyment when deliberately accepted as the fruit of such a bargain? Don't we make these bargains all the time in life? It's absolutely unbelievable. And it's something that really made us question um, in life because we we are making this bargain every single day. If you're part of the elite, if you're even close to being part of the middle class, you are making this bargain every single day. Every single robot that you see, every single um, time you come across someone in poverty, you make the social contract in order to keep yourself where you are and uh, keep the others at bay. Uh, on the line from Johannesburg now, we're going to be speaking to a whole bunch of guests. And if you want to join in in the conversation, hit us up on Twitter at Yebo underscore Levy, L-E-V-Y. Or you can also hit us up on WeChat. Uh, I see quite a few messages coming through at uh, cliffcentral.com. Our first guest is Vinayak Bhardwaj. He uh, is a journalist, a writer, a good thinker. He was part of the Amabungwe, Amabungane, excuse me, um, investigative unit from the Mail and Guardian. He's now joined Africa Check and he has got a, an entrepreneurial business as well. Uh, Vinayak, hello and welcome to the show. Morning, Andrew, and morning to your listeners. Thank you for having me. Wow, you sound like such a politician. Morning, Andrew, morning to your listeners. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm practicing. Ah, uh, good, 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 good. <laughs> Vinayak, you've you've done a lot of work, a lot of investigative journalism. You've seen probably some of uh, the atrocities uh, of South African uh, society. Your thoughts when when asked, what would you give up um, to have a better South Africa? How do you feel about a question like that? Mm, it's a it's a great question, and and it does cut to the heart of all the debates we're having about inequality, about poverty, and I really liked your the way you prefaced this about how this isn't something happening in boardrooms and and in, in business class lounges. It's happening every day at traffic lights, at shopping malls, and in our daily life. Um, and and you're right, investigative journalism, which I was I was a peripheral part of, I wasn't central to the project, but uh, it did give me an insight into the, the consequences of this unbridled greed and this inability to think about uh, maybe things that, that aren't necessary immediately. Um, so to answer your question, uh, what am I prepared to give up? Uh, because you informed me about this yesterday, I've given it a little bit of thought. Um, <laughs> Why are you giving me and... <laughs> away on radio there, Vinayak? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I've thought of it, I suppose, on, on three levels. The first is the obvious material level. Uh, what particular possessions am I prepared to give up wanting? Um, the second is more political, I suppose, in terms of our, our, our political choices. Obviously, uh, I am here speaking as a member of a particular class of middle class individuals who, who, who make po- certain political choices. And the third is, is I suppose, a more airy-fairy one for a Wednesday morning, 
which is, uh, I suppose, spiritually, what am I prepared to give up? So, so maybe I can tackle it on those three levels. Perfect. If, unless you want to no, dig in. Good. That's good. That's good. So, so I suppose, I mean, materially, we all kind of make difficult choices whether to buy a house now or to continue renting and so on. And um, we rarely think of our income, uh, you know, once once we've given away tax money, we think of all of it as just ours and, and what we can spend with it. And I've been reading a lot about effective altruism and, and they recommend that you give a certain percentage of your income away. Um, and, and I suppose that works for some people. For me, I would like to believe that how, uh, materially throughout my life, I'm prepared to give up a certain amount of my income to funding education of at least one person, uh, whether it's primary school, high school, or at university. As I as I accumulate more, hopefully, <laughs> I, I hope to be able to increase my contribution to the education of at least a single individual, and later on in life, hopefully, to, to broader causes, to educate a larger number of people, because I myself have benefited uh, from the generosity of others in my education, uh, and, and I hope to continue doing that. On a political level, I think I'm more prepared now to give up on absolutist uh, solutions to problems. I don't believe that any one party or any one political leader has all the answers. But I am pre- so I am prepared to give up on waiting for that hero and and believing that we can work with what we have and really you know stop deferring our our contributions to the political system and to the society we live in until the perfect leader comes into into power we should start doing so now and and we should give up on this idea of a messiah who's going to come into power and and save us all and of course that framing it that way makes it seem obvious nobody's actually waiting for a messiah but i do think in south african body politic there is a tendency to see the voting decision as, uh, you know, and, and for good reasons. People worship the vote because of the, uh, because of the sacrifice that went into getting it. But as a result, there's often a, re- a desire for these uh, sort of perfect politicians and perfect political parties that will perfectly answer all their different um, uh, political ambitions. So while I don't suggest any one political party is therefore deserving of support, what I do think we need to give up as an attitude is this idea that only when the perfect party comes will will the solutions of South Africa emerge. I think that's something I'm prepared to give up on now. And then I suppose finally on a on a more spiritual level, and it's kind of linked to the other two maybe, is this idea of certainty in beliefs. Um, I've come to appreciate that the person I was at 16 is different to the person I am now, uh, but, but part of that process has also meant... Um, certain assumptions, certain strongly held beliefs being dispelled. And I'm prepared to give up on political on, on certainty as a, a tool for making decisions. Uh, and, and I'm prepared to invest more in the idea that um, perhaps, perhaps we just need to be, adopt an attitude which is entirely evidence-based. And if, if particular solutions uh, are tried, tested, and shown to work, we should be prepared to relinquish our ideological certainties and accept that certain pragmatic, uh, pragmatic solutions are, are, are probably more desirable. So that's, in a, in a nutshell, what I think I'm prepared to give up to answer your question. That it's was, a really great question. That, that was beautiful. Can I, can I throw some questions back at you? 
please. So you talked about in your spirituality uh, segment about evidence-based, and I really love that. If we look at it in the, in the alternative way, capitalism clearly isn't working. Right, And I mean it from a societal human perspective. We've got a lot of people that it's working for, so that's great. And those people have power and they have wealth and therefore can continue. But there's, a, there's the vast majority of people in the world and, and in South Africa that it's not working for. Would you be, you know, we've seen all this fees must fall stuff and, and we've criticized the students for burning libraries and stuff. Would you be willing to burn the entire system down to start again? I think that's a great question because it gets to the heart of it again. But I, I, I mean, personally, I, I feel that the idea shouldn't be to burn anything down. The idea should be to make it more inclusive. And I don't think there's any framework in which uh, destruction uh, of, of something just because it only works uh, marginally um, is, is because nobody contends that it's completely not working. As you say, it is working for an elite. Um, the idea is to figure out a way to make it work for more people. And smarter minds than mine have, have been suggesting ideas of making it work. So the idea of a basic income grant, the idea of a blanket wealth tax, the idea of trying to create some sort of asset registry so that we understand why certain assets aren't taxed as much as they should be. These are ways of making capitalism, quote unquote, work. Um, and And again, I'm not wedded to isms at all. Uh, so, so I think uh, where we can show certain ideas working, let's, let's try them. Um, I think Fees Must Fall was remarkable for many reasons, the, the most important of which is that it forced us to confront the political choices we make every day about mm. how our budget is allocated. And, and I'm prepared to, to relinquish certainties about um, you know, what, what the effects of different uh, budget allocations would be because I think that might kickstart a, a more important and rigorous process of examining, uh, as you say, what we're prepared to give up, not as individuals now, but as a state. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a worthy endeavor. Now, I have to ask you, before I let you go, because I know you're a busy man, I have to ask you one simple question. These are quite um, – you're a great thinker and you think hard on things, I can see – these are quite um, academic in, in nature. If I asked you tomorrow what you would do, is there anything from your three, your three buckets that you could potentially put in place tomorrow? So one of the things I've already put in place is this idea of trying to give a certain uh, percentage of my income to, to educating anyone I can. Um, and there are organizations like the South African Education Project, etc., that explicitly have bursaries of that sort. But more than that, what I think I can do is really figure out a way to get out of my bubble and stop talking to people who agree with me, who are wonderful and who, who I think are important to me, and start really engaging with uh, a group of individuals in a very serious way, uh, you know, and and in, and as equals, and with a view to learning, not not uh, uh, teaching and and lauding it, um, and and really sort of breaking out of that comfort zone that that that's been created. Because as we can see in the last few, uh, world, you know, major world events, the consequences of of being hermetically sealed in your own worldview is very is very dire. Um, just to remind me, South African Education Trust, is that correct? South African Education Project, SAP. And is that privately or, or is it a government project? It's an NGO um, and, and uh, they're based, I think, only in the Western Cape, but they run a program which allows you to sponsor the education of kids right from preschool all the way 
way to university if they make it. And, and they send you progress cards. And over time, you're, you're able to develop a sort of relationship with the kids. You can send them letters. They send you letters. It's really beautiful. Um, and of course, if you're, if you're purely thinking about the bottom line, they also give you a tax certificate, which allows you to claim SARS exemptions. <laughs> but <laughs> I hope that's not the only way we think about oh, these things. Oh, goodness. And, and how much does it cost out of interest? It costs me 4,000 rands a year for one child. I, I've been putting one child through school for the last three years. I'm hoping to try and increase it to two in the next year. Um, and and uh, you, you don't have to pay it all up front. You can pay a small amount monthly. Um, but it's just one, one tactic. And I certainly don't intend to uh, make a big meal of it because I don't think this is enough. And I don't think this is uh, dealing with the system um, itself. I, I mean, we, and that's, that's, I think, the more fundamental question you're trying to ask. Um, so, so I'm simply saying this just as a small thing that I think I can do, but I, I don't pretend for a second that this is going to solve the problem. All right, Vinayak, I said uh, I would give you 10 minutes. You've got the 10 minutes. If you want to follow this guy, he is a very deep thinker and uh, a worthwhile human being in the South African context. You can catch him at I am Vinayak B, I underscore am underscore Vinayak B, V-I-N-A-Y-A-K-B. Vinayak, potentially you need to get someone to speak to about digital and social media and getting a better Twitter (laughs) handle. But uh, thank you. My name is unpronounceable. <laughs> it's like kayak. It's like kayak. You keep saying, you know. Uh, Vinayak, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it, and uh, look forward to hearing thank more you. from you. Uh, that was Vinayak Bardaj, uh, Bardwaj. Apologies. He um, spoke about economical, political, and spiritual things that he could give up. And uh, very interesting space. He also spoke about an NGO called the South African Education Project. If you're looking to get involved in some kind of educational project, if you want to give money away, if that's what you think the answer is, then potentially that is the way to go. Uh, the next guest online at the moment uh, is a gentleman by the name of Kevin Foster. Uh, Kevin is a public sector consultant working with local government. Uh, this is quite an interesting space to be in because uh, we always talk about government is not working and government's this and are oh, the roads and the potholes and I don't know what that accent was actually, but um, but this guy works on 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 with government on a daily basis. It'd be interesting to hear his views. Uh, he is from Cape Town. He is white, so we've got very differing perspectives going on here. Kevin, good morning to you. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so good. Kevin, uh, you you work uh, in the public se- sector space uh, and you work a lot with local government. Um, yes. Just before we get into the question that I'm going to ask, how, how are we doing? How, are you, how do you feel we're doing at local government space? Ooh, um, I... <laughs> Big question. Apologies I, for a Wednesday morning. Yeah. It's also, also a surprise question. Um, I see kind of hope and despair every day, I think. I see phenomenal people working exceptionally hard to, to deliver services. And at the same time, you see um, waste and uh, a little bit of ineptitude from time to time and um, that sort of thing, which also gives you a bit of despair. So um, it's, it's a slightly schizophrenic experience. Uh, you you mentioned this positives and negatives. This question is is quite a difficult one. You, you've also done uh, the reading on the omelas, and what uh, inevitably what do we give away? Um, what do you, what would you give up 
in order for a better South Africa? I mean, is it a, is it a fair question? Do you, is there part of you that's going, why should I give up anything? Uh, I don't think there's a part of me that's asking why I should give up anything. I think I probably have a clear responsibility to give something up. Uh, but like Vinny said, it's a very difficult question. It's a phenomenally difficult question. Um, and he's a very hard act to follow on the radio because he's <laughs> divided things up in a very similar way <laughs> to, to what I was thinking. Go um, on then, go on there. Keep in those pillars. Um, but also, and, and I was listening earlier and, and what Rory said about white people dealing with white people. And, and there's a point there that maybe as a privileged white person, we need to give up the comfort of white space um, and not to quote or to paraphrase my, my favorite comedian, Stuart Lee, to, to not um, uh, agree with racism, injustice, exploitation, uh, out of politeness in white space um, just because it would make you uncomfortable to oppose it. So I think that's a, that's one thing that, that, that is, is perhaps not material, but um, something that could be given up um, with a little bit of thought and consciousness and bravery and courage. Um, and also, yeah, again, building on what Vinayak said, the certainty of beliefs, ego, the belief that you're always right. Um, listen, consider other views. Um, How do you views, give that up realistically? I mean, a lot of people said, yo, we need to listen more and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, I'm a big talker and I talk a <laughs> lot. And I find it very interesting when, when even I am at the hypocrisy of myself go, yeah, I need to listen more. I need to listen more. But do I really need to listen more? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I'm pretty set in my convictions as we all are. How do we actually do that? How do we actually listen more? Um, it's not my idea. It's something that's kind of around um, a lot at the moment. It's, it's listening to hear, not just listening to respond. Um, you've got to spend time considering the position of what, of the person you're listening to um, and that's um, easy to say but not necessarily easy to do and considering that you may be wrong and considering that you may have to admit that you're wrong um, is is fundamental um, and thinking about that you can't it's not going to all happen at once I don't think um, it's something you've got to wrestle with consistently another friend of mine made the allegory made the sort of metaphor around it's like brushing your teeth um you do it every day because you know you're in a constant state of of the teeth are getting dirty every day and you've got to remind yourself and do it over and over and over and over again um to to get through it um I don't know if that answers the question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Last question before I let you go, Kevin. You know, uh, there's a lot of criticism around Cape Town, the society (laughs) in Cape Town, the shadow of the mountain, the segregation of of certain groups in Cape Town by color because of the legacy of apartheid. What do you think as a Cape Townian and and a proud Cape Townian, you know, there's a lot of good things in Cape Town as well. What do you think uh, could be given up in Cape Town as a, as a, a community in order to make a better South Africa? Uh, I think Cape Town's got its own specific set of problems. One of them is sort of spatial design and, and how Cape Townians share space. I think that's a big problem. Um, I think also how the property market 
works in Cape Town is, is problematic and, and segregates people in a material sense as well. I mean, just the way we uh, consume things and, and consume things with exploitative value chains. I think we need to probably pay a lot more attention to where the products we consume come from. And an example relevant to Cape Town would be something like wine. Uh, there's huge exploitation in certain parts of the, of the wine industry, for instance. Um, so be aware of um, how the products you consume are produced. Make choices of of consuming uh, – it's a luxury product – but consuming wine from a farm where there is uh, a partnership approach between the owners and management and the workers, and everyone benefits from the from the – the process rather than where you've got a cynical owner and a cynical management just leveraging the thing for pure profit. And maybe that means forgiving, abandoning your, your favorite wine in favor of, of something else. And there are brilliant examples of this. I and mean, I think you'll probably be speaking to someone who will know more about this uh, than I do later on. Awesome, Kevin. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Uh, Kevin Foster, you, a public sector consultant working with local government. Uh, it's interesting he mentioned wines as an example uh, of what he did. We, we spoke uh, a few months ago to a, a gentleman by the name of Mark Solms. He owns a winery called Solms Delta, and uh, they are busy uh, working with the farmers, and actually the farmers have uh, an equity stake in the farm. And the, the wine is pretty good as well, so you don't have to make a huge change. But if you if you do find yourself near the shop, Psalms Delta is the brand, and uh, they're working with a, uh, an NGO called Franschuk Valley Transformation Charter, and that's really trying to transform the entire Franschuk area. Because, as one knows, if you've been to Franschuk, it is it's a it's a tale of two incredible differences, one of high, high rich and one of incredible poverty. So Psalms Delta, if you want to change your wine, as Kevin Foster says, that is probably the way to go. We've been getting quite a few conversations on WeChat as well as Twitter. Uh, I just want to read you out one at the moment before we speak to our next, next guest, Kayan. Um, let me just pull it up here because there's been quite a few discussions as we've been going along. So Lauren O'Donnell, also based in Cape Town, says... And you're going to have to forgive me. This is quite a long uh, WeChat message here. Okay, so my opinion is that we all get used to thinking we need certain things in our life through marketing and advertising. This industry has told us we need certain brands, certain lifestyles to be happy. Their motive is profit, and we humans seem to have been quite easy to be persuaded. Our aspirations have changed, but it hasn't necessarily bought us the happiness the ads promised. We believe we need, for example, a new car every three years, a house with extra rooms, specific branded clothing, bottled water, four-by-four vehicles in a city. If we could reflect on what we really need and uh, want, this is important too, to bring us real happiness. I think we'd see that the choices above are not really needs. And if we think about them closely, we'd see that they have consequences for people and the planet. She says to her, to answer the question that we put out there, which is the the theme of the show, which is, what would you give up? She says, that, so the answer could be to rethink on a few levels, our own material needs and needs for so much stuff in inverted commas, our addiction to the growth economy, will producing more and more to create more and more jobs and wealth actually really solve the problem? And three, how much do we waste? How much could we reuse? E.g., the food we waste in Africa annually could feed three million people, food and agriculture. Um, how can we reduce our demand on large enough scale for so much fossil fuel burning and environmental degradation and social negligence uh, through this? And can we just reduce our consumption or much uh, we do more and put pressure on the system and mindsets? 
I think that environmental and social issues are inextremely linked, but we often can't see this immediately, so it's difficult. That was Lauren. Uh, on the WeChat. Uh, we're speaking to Kayan now. Uh, Kayan is from Johannesburg and uh, she is a social justice lawyer. Is that correct, Kayan? Yes, good morning, Andrew. Hi. I, I good wanna, morning to you. Thank you so much. I don't want to, um, I don't want to mesh your, your surname. Can I have one go at it? Kayan Luing, is that correct? Or can you, can you help me pronounce? It's Kayan Leung, but that's a pretty close um, attempt. So that. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Kayan, thank you for joining us. You, you work, uh, you're a social justice lawyer. You see some of uh, the hardest cases and you fight for some of the hardest cases, not only in South Africa, but around the world. You obviously have a very unique perspective. Uh, if I asked you, what would you mm-hmm. be willing to give up to have a better South Africa? What do you think you'd answer to that? Well, Andrew, I just want to start um, this this question in answering it quite broadly, and then I'll I'll, I'll run it down to to my perspective individually. So, the starting point of what should I give up? Um, I think, and, and touching on on uh, Vinay's point um, earlier on, is that everyone needs to give up this notion that you don't have a role to play, that you don't have something to give up, um, that that that's waiting for the Messiah complex. And you know, without disregarding that, I think government does have a role to play and with the, the National Development Plan, et cetera. Um, aside from that, calling for everyone to, to take part and to take action. Um, the most fundamental question following that, uh, following that is that everyone must give in accordance to what they've been given. And to give you a bit of context, um, one needs to examine what your position, your privilege, what your gifts and talents are, um, which is not the same for everyone. So there is no uh, definite, defined formula. And one should ask, what or how can I use these privileges or talents or benefits to the betterment of others? And my interpretation of this, it it doesn't mean how can we take away from what we have to try achieve equality necessarily. Um, But and, And from this context, so I'm not speaking purely from a material perspective, but as I said, regarding your privilege and positions and talents. Um, for example, if you have somebody that's acquired a medical degree and they've now acquired a talent and knowledge, um, monetarily, I would expect this person to contribute and, and give up a portion of that. But do you take away the right for this person to now practice medicine and become a doctor? And I would say that why don't we use what they've acquired to try improve and address the inequalities that, that we've seen? So my my take is that we need to actually, our goal should be to maximize the potential to actually assist and improve people's situations in in every possible way, that we need to try and lift everyone up to our level and not to pull everyone down. So this principle of paying it forward, um, which comes to the point of of my own personal introspection. Um, So working in a social justice uh, legal sphere we might not be seen as the ones that actually make the big bucks. Um, but I still think that, that the, the first thing that I needed to give up, and, and this came to a realization about four or five years ago, you know, entering this space, is that I am in a place of privilege. So whether or not I consider myself this, this 1% um, of, of earning millions and billions, um, I am in a position, position of privilege, and I do need to, to make a contribution. And I do make a contribution 
uh, firstly financially, whether or not it's comparable to somebody else, that shouldn't be the case. It's that I'm making a contribution. Can Mm. can I jump in here quickly? Um, Just from name and surname, you're of you're of Chinese descent. That's correct. In South Africa. So you're a South African uh, Chinese, South Africa, South African Chinese individual. Was it difficult, uh, like admitting to yourself that you are now in, in, a, in a space of privilege, given the fact that, uh, you know, you were also part of uh, the apartheid on, 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 the, on, on, the, on the wrong side, uh, on the oppressed side? Was it difficult 20 years later to say, yeah, actually, I, I'm now privileged? Absolutely. So just to give you a bit of context, um, my parents came over um, during apartheid and I, I experienced that too. And for me, um, I grew up in a not so great area in the south of Johannesburg and my mother, so my father left us when we were quite young. Um, and my mother worked two jobs to put us through school. So I, I, I've seen and I've experienced that one side, but maybe perhaps not to the level of an African um, perspective um to that degree but so growing up i was like wow i'm on on the other side of things but if i have to be honest with myself the fact that i was able to finish high school and i was able to to go to university albeit you know i did have to work too to 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 get to that point i have a car at the moment it runs it may not be the top of the range car but it's still a car and if you compare it to the everyday person on the street that as is an injustice. That is inequality. And so from a starting point, that's the first and foremost thing that we need to give up. This notion that privilege only is applicable to to perhaps a white demographic that, you know, owns millions and billions. But that every single person here that is towards middle class, as you said, or is a middle class, we are in a position of privilege and it is our duty to pay it forward. Um but this speaks to, to my second point, just personally, that we are all gifted in, in different ways. And, and one of my gifts, I believe, the way I'm wired is that I have a, a, a deep sense of empathy and um, wanting to serve people. So I've made this choice to enter the sphere. Um, and I've reconciled with the fact that I never may be able to make the millions. And that's okay, because who said that is a true measure of success? My measure of success in life is to be able to to try address these issues of inequality and to be able to serve the people, to represent and assist the minorities on the ground, whether it be women, children, LGBTI, or you know people of color, whatever the case may be, refugees for that matter. And, and that is my contribution. All right, Karen, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much for your, your honesty and, and your introspection. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that's Kayanne Loeng from Johannesburg. She is a human rights lawyer, social justice lawyer. Uh, on uh, WeChat as well, we've got Jeremy David saying, uh, Andrew, a few thoughts on what I believe I should give up. First and foremost, it's important that people understand that in giving up, it does not mean you should give away your personal belongings, whether that is money, cars, houses, clothes, etc. Uh, you hopefully worked hard for that and earned that in a legitimate way. Therefore, it's not important towards helping other people. In giving something up, the giver should really have a deep sense of self- selflessness and care for other people and the immediate community they live in. Nobody should be forced to help assist other people and those who chose not to do so should not not be crucified. They should just continuously be made aware of the lifelong responsibility one 
has in what have you done for others. Giving up something to me means that one should sometimes have the humility to step back and allow others to lead, to get out of one's way and allow yourself to be open towards the views of other, others, to tolerate others. I believe in transformation and process-driven work and not in charity. Charity is good, however, it's not sustainable. One should not give people fish. You should teach people how to fish. So empowerment is very important to me. Bursaries to further study, learnership, skills development, mentorship, shadowing. Working together in collaboration is vital and one simply cannot do it alone. So uh, that, that is on WeChat, uh, Jeremy Davids. And he says also big ups to uh, the Stellenbosch and Franschuk area. That's where I'm from. And hopefully we can do more there as well. And next on the line, we're going through this at a rapid pace because we wanted to get as many South Africans from different uh, parts of the world on air as possible. Uh, we've got uh, Maloba Chela. He is uh, originally hails from Lesotho, I believe, uh, and now lives in uh, the city of Cape Town as well. Maloba, good morning to you. Good morning very much, Andrew. How are you? Good morning very much to you too. <laughs> uh, you, you work in the green space. <laughs> you work in the green space in Cape Town. Uh, you're doing some fine work there. Uh, a difficult question. What would you give up in order to have a better South Africa? That is indeed a, a fairly difficult question. Um, and I'm going to answer it almost as a bit of a cop-out. Um, and go a very high level with it. Uh, I, I think it's we we should be willing, and by extension, I should be willing um, to give up everything uh, for a better South Africa. Because if we if we ultimately don't give up um, everything so that everyone can be part of of a better society, we risk losing everything. Um, I believe we live in a society that's incredibly interconnected, um, and it 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 doesn't make any sense um, to ignore the fact that there are people without. Um, so in in an act of selfishness and trying to, uh, I think, preserve ourselves, we actually need to include others in our society because without which we we risk losing um, sort of the, the semblance of peace and prosperity that we have. Uh, so it, it's just a matter of time that if we live in an unequal society, um, it, 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 those, those cracks will start to open and we can lose uh, everything that we have. So, so Maloba, I've got to ask prepared this. to give up everything. I've got to ask the cynical question. Are you really prepared to give up yeah. everything? I mean, it's very easy to say that and, and lots of people speak a lot of words. We, yeah. we saw recently abroad in the States, Trump talking big game and now having to bring, bring it back, thankfully. Uh, Julius Malema said what, you know, his yeah. suggestion to what white people should give up is give up the land. In your own mind, yeah. um, a gentle soul from Lesotho. Mm. Is it realistic for you to give up everything? What will you do? I mean, let's just say tomorrow you decide, all right, I'm going to give up everything. I've got a house. I've got a car. Um, it might not be the most fanciest yeah. car, but I've got it. I'm going to give it all away, and I've still got to go to work yeah. tomorrow. Like, how is that going to work? Are you going to go to work naked? Like, give me the, the, the logistics of what yeah. giving up everything so, looks like. Yeah. So if, if we move from that almost um, philosophical level into the practical, I think it's – it's giving up um, a sense of just doing it for yourself, um, and 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 recognizing that you there are things without giving up everything in terms of materially and everything. There's there's space um, for the little bit that you know and the little bit that you have to add value to somebody else. 
Um, and for me, it's giving up, funny enough, the selfishness of it's just me and I can only do those much. It's to give up that that I can only do this much for myself. Um, and just to take on the responsibility to do just a little bit for somebody else. Um, it's, it's almost a, a domino effect of if everyone just decided that I can do a little bit more good for it, just one more person. Um, I think that's what we, 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 we ultimately need to give up um, in order to create that better society. You know, so it's, it's, it's a very, to be selfish and enjoy a good life, I need to actually just pay a little bit into the social account um, that makes things better for everyone else. So it's a matter of if it's time that you can give up, then that's what you give up. You know, a little bit of extra time every week. If it's money, if it's knowledge, um, if it's a social network, if it's an ability, that's what you give up. Um, and, and, and so it goes back to that small act that, you, that, that you're willing to do um, in order to bring others to potentially your own level. Maloba, uh, just interestingly, you know, just a, a question that a lot of people are probably thinking but not saying is, why should I give up anything? Is there a way not to give up everything and still contribute? Given the context of South Africa? So, yeah. So, I mean, when we, when we say give up everything, um, it, what do we mean? You know, like you, you question, do we, do we then sell the car we have and, um, give away all our money? And, my philosophy is um, very humbly is in order for you to actually be the most value to to your family, to your community, to society as a whole, you need to be as complete as possible. So to give up everything, let's say materially, um, is maybe not the best thing because you are unable to do what it is that you're good at. So you give up your job. Uh, or you give up your money and you are now unable to exercise that little bit of power that you previously had rather to recognize that, listen, I have this advantage and I have these networks and I can leverage this. And this is what I'm going to use, not just for myself, but for somebody else outside of my circle. Right. And it speaks to this whole domino effect of everyone to recognize what they have and then use that for themselves and beyond. Uh, I think that's a giving up that 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 are that I'm much more comfortable talking about. Whereas giving up everything as well, then it's a bit of a state of chaos. Everyone is what homeless and what what happens? <laughs> like, this, is it a total redistribution? How, how does it work? It, right? yeah, so even yeah. saying everything, yeah, who gets it and what do I stay with? Um, and can can they use it? So let's say land, for example. I'm a farmer and I have a big land and I do all these great things and then I give it away to somebody who's never farmed before or who is just working on the field as a very basic, at a basic skills level. What happens? Is that actually good? Where do they learn how to farm? Whereas if I now bring them up and I teach them how to farm and I give them a piece of the land that they can start with and at a certain level when they are good enough at farming, then they get more land. You know, then there's a progression and there's a process in place um, and we can get to a place where, okay, we're now 50-50 on this land and we're both sufficiently skilled as farmers mm. you know that's a much better give up something than you can hear the land go Maloba I'm going to have to cut it short there thank you so much for your thoughts though Maloba Chela uh, and Maya Antle thank you thank you
You see, I've got to represent for the people of Lesotho as well, you know. <laughs> right, so we've been speaking about what you would give up. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of, of what I suppose people call an echo chamber, people speaking the same and uh, having the same voices. Very surprising for the show because normally we have a multitude of people that disagree with Rory and I. Uh, we've got one more one more person to uh, to represent us here, Tizi Marafe. She is uh, calling in from Johannesburg today. Um, we'll get her on the line in just a second. Just uh, on Twitter, we've got Vibka Toussaint saying, it's time to give up the euphemism of the middle class, in inverted brackets. If you're in the top 10%, you're wealthy and have a responsibility to give back. Very interesting. I wonder if people would agree with that. Uh, Tizzy is on the line from Joburg. Tizzy, good morning to you. Hi, how are you guys? Um, we're, we're good, we're good, Tizzy. Uh, would you call yourself a capitalist? Uh, yeah, I have to. Unfortunately, I cannot deny that. <laughs> All right. At least the honesty on a Wednesday morning is good and proper. Tizzy, very quickly, we're running out of time. What would you give up to have a better South Africa? You know, um, having pondered this quite a bit over the last few days, I think for me, the biggest thing is, you know, because you immediately go to the, the, the material things. I, I must right. give up my house, my car, yeah. my whatever. Um, but I think it's more important to think about your belief systems. And for me, I know me personally, I need to give up on this belief that if I can't have this massive macro impact, then, uh, you know, it's not worth it. What I need to change is, is to think about the fact that if I can, you know, impact one person's life in a significant way, then that's good enough. The starfish effect, man, that's, that's what I need to think about more. So uh, in thinking about this very quickly, is there anything that you have done or want to do in, in throwing the starfish back? There are a lot of things. Um, one of the things that touches my heart is, uh, you know, the homeless ladies on the street with their children? Yes. That for me used to irritate me. Like it just used to irritate like how, what's wrong with you? You're so irresponsible. How can you put a child on the street like that? And then I realized, well, if it's, if it's bugging me, if it's not sitting in my spirit so nicely, then maybe I need to do something about it. That and also taking kids to school. I think that's probably one of the easiest and I think most effective because when you, when you concentrate on the youth, you're concentrating on building the, the future South Africa. So, you know, put a child through school, put a child through varsity, that kind of stuff, tutor, um, you know, mentor. Those are the things that I think that we can all do today that won't take away from, from the material wealth that you're trying to accumulate because, you know, you have a family to support or you're still young in your career and you're still trying to establish yourself. It doesn't take all that much for you to take some time out on a Saturday to go and mentor somebody or to tutor so, or, you know, that little bit of your salary that you're giving away. So, Tizzy, very quickly, because this, this question has to be asked, you know, uh, as a woman of yeah. color, you know, we, we've heard in, in, in South African perspective this idea of black tax. Aren't you doing enough in your, in your own family, in your own um, direct community? Do you have to give more than that? That is a very good question. Um, but I think unless I know that there are there is like... I don't know, somebody super brilliant in my family that I'm going to mentor. And I know that, that if I focus on this person and they're going to be the future president, future finance minister, future something amazing, I think that it's not enough. There are many people who have 
uh, the ability to impact our country in such a great way, but they just don't have access to financing or schooling or something. I think we need to look broader than our own family um, connections because also, you know, yes, black tax is a real thing. I won't lie, but the way that we engage with our families is not that we're looking for the greatness in the next generation. Mm. We're doing it because people need to eat. So we're not, we're not doing it in an impactful way, if I can put it that way. Amazing. Tizzy, that's where we're going to have to leave it. Thank you so much for your time. Wow. Those were powerful words if I ever had to hear them. Tizzy Murafe from Johannesburg. Thank you so much. Thank you to all our guests. We've had uh, an incredibly quick show on what would you give up for a better South African. Uh, thank you to Vinayak. Uh, Bartwaj, Kevin Foster, Kayan Lung, uh, Malobe Chela, and Tizi Marafe. And thank you to all the people who listened on uh, WeChat and uh, WhatsApp and Twitter. Apologies, we couldn't get to all of them. We'll be back next week. Rory Sang will be in studio, I promise. We're speaking about the Stellenbosch Mafia. Myth or truth and what is in between. Have yourself a great day. If you want to check out any of the podcasts, cliffcentral.com forward slash frankly speaking. Have yourself a great day. Jovi, Joe. Cliffcentral.com